welcome to the Cairo Stadium Sports Hall. The defending champions of Denmark are up against the surprising Swedes. Hi everyone. A quick note before we start, we recorded this episode in late 2020, before the Danish men's handball team won the 2021 World Championship. As such, we don't reference the latest victory, but we do talk about Denmark winning the 2019 World Championship. Anyway, with that cleared up, I hope you enjoy. This was a really fun episode to record. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand for the national anthem of Denmark. Hello and welcome to What the Denmark, the show that explains things that seem peculiar as an outsider in Denmark. I'm Sam. And I'm Josefina. Each episode we'll discuss a new topic, talk to experts and try to understand why something so normal in Denmark is confusing to foreigners. Despite living abroad for many years, I'll be giving the inside view of Danish culture. And as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm originally from the UK and so we'll be giving the outsider view of the country. Our ultimate goal is to resolve cultural confusion in Denmark. This show is just one part of that mission, and so stick around to the end to hear about how you too can be involved. This week, we're talking about handball. It's a sport that's played in a handful of countries around the world, and one that Denmark invented. Or at least, so the story goes. Many non-Danes, myself included, have never really interacted with the sport before moving to Denmark. I certainly found myself a bit confused about why it's so popular here, but not in other countries. What are the rules? And what, ultimately, does it say about Danish society as a whole? The core of this episode is an interview with the head of the Danish Handball Federation, Morten Stig Christensen, explaining how he sees the role of handball in Denmark. If you've wondered to yourself what's the backstory of handball, or why it's particularly popular in Jutland, then stick around to find out more. I travelled over to the Denmark Handball Federation headquarters in Bornbu to learn about how they view handball's role in Danish culture. I met with Morten C. Kustensen, the director of the federation and former sports director of Danish TV channel TV Tull. He also represented Denmark as a professional handball player for many years. I was only 17 years old at that time, still the youngest ever uh, to start on the on, on the national team. Mm-hmm. And this was just before the Olympic Games in uh, Montreal. Yeah, there, there, yeah. <laughs> no, this is you. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a, quite a moustache you have. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if you can call it moustache, <laughs> but this is an, an from old days from the World Championship in Denmark in 78. No way. The official IHF goal. So so this, it, this one would... Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's quite heavy. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about that cup? That yeah, big, there's, there's, yeah, the big trophy. Bau, Bauman trophy. And, and, and uh, it's quite special because we received it from IHF because they they elected us as the best federation in the world to work with the, the development of handball. This led to Morton's key belief on the future of handball in Denmark and the thread that ran throughout our conversation. Inclusivity. When I say handball, we use the term team handball to explain this is a team consisting of seven seven players, uh, one goalkeeper and and six players, uh, field players. We have a new game called five-a-side. 
It's also indoor. We can also play outdoor, but but indoor in the two third part of this uh, normal uh, size of court, you know, mm-hmm. you are five on each team, and uh, it was invented to 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 help people my age to continue to play handball. Mm-hmm. We have this um, uh, handball for kids two to five years old. We call it trille and trolle. It's our our two mascots from the national team, you know. We and we have we have invented a kind of story about this so that the coaches can read small stories for them. I'd never explicitly thought of it this way before. The best analogy I have is football. If you think that football is only if there are eleven full-grown athletic players running around a big pitch with large goals, that's quite exclusive. However, if football can also be three kids kicking a small bag between two jumpers as a goalposts, then suddenly. It becomes so much more. When I was a kid, you know, um, I had a room together with my brother, and we took the table, yeah. and and we turned it, yeah. and then you have a goal, goal uh, yeah. under uh, the table, and then we were coming into this room, jumping through the door, you know, with a small. It, it could be socks, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, that we wrapped together as a small ball because we are not allowed to use a real thought, ball back. Uh, was, that that was yeah. a goal. That was a goalkeeper, and and we could do. Uh, we had a lot of fun. The way Morton explains it best is not handball, but hand and ball. ball. Exactly. Yeah. We have other kinds of starting playing hand and ball, and we can use that in school. Uh, it could be in, in in small classes, even at my office here. So you can create a kind of environment about hand and ball. Um, so, Josephine, I'm interested. Growing up, what was your relationship with handball? Did you ever play it? I definitely watched handball on TV. It was a big thing. And uh, when I was a kid, also, we had a very good national team, women's national team that everyone was very excited about. Um, a lot of women looked up to the role model, Anja Andersen, who was uh, on that team. Dane Anne Andersen is by many considered the best female handball player of all times. Sutton. Yep, Anja Andersen, Denmark. In terms of uh, classes at school, we actually used to do volleyball and basketball in my school. Uh, we had a whole lot of other ball games, um, but I didn't grow up in Jutland, where I know that handball is big. So it might be that there they would grow up doing handball in, in school as well. Right, okay. And what was it about this uh, particular handball player which made her such an icon? She was an icon because she was excellent. She was an incredible character, very forceful, and uh, obviously a team player too on the court. So that was what was so special about her. And then obviously it was a winning team. So we're all very proud of this team going out in the world and then eventually also winning the big medal. Great. And do, you, do your kids today, do they play handball much? So my children, they actually have a lot of friends who play handball. And handball is big in uh, the sports arena in Denmark. But uh, I would say that generally football is is even bigger in, mm. uh, in in Denmark at the moment. Yeah, I think so. And I think yeah, in, in researching this show, I was I was looking at, okay, where, where in the world is handball popular? And there's this excellent blog post, which I'll link to in the show notes. Um, but it basically said, it had a map of like where it's popular. And they basically said with every country, the number one sport is football. So we'll just forget about that. Where is handball the number two sport or the number three sport, etc.? I would almost compare handball a bit to rugby in many parts of the world. Obviously, rugby is not a big sport in Denmark, um, but there's a lot of excitement in handball. It's, it's a very fast-moving game, and therefore it, it's fun to watch. And also, it seems like there's lots of goals, which is always fun. 
Exactly. There's a lot of goals coming in all the time. And it's also meant for uh, uh, the, the Danish setup because it's it's small, you know, it's a small scale game in a small space. And therefore, you don't need the same space you need for a football match. So I would say that it's quite democratic in that way. You can have handball more or less everywhere. Morten is Denmark's representative for handball on the world stage. I asked how Denmark viewed handball differently to other countries, and his answer went to the core of his view on Danish society. In, in Denmark, we all always try to, to, to uh, have an open space for, for all kids. It's a part of the Danish culture because it, this is also holds for music, uh, singing, uh, Scouts, as Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, uh, for everything, you know. It, it depends on, do you have a passion for some for something specific, you know. You can do this. Uh, in, 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 in many other countries, it had been either school or rich people who can bring their kids, you know, to a, to a club. Mm. Because they, they, they don't have this system of creating a, a club, as we call it, a foreigning, where you can gather people with the same interest. Mm. This is the start of, of, of a club in Denmark. Uh, you could be interested in, in whatever, you know. As much as the Federation wants Denmark's national team to be elite, for Morten, handball is much more about having a sport which is fun and inclusive. Basically, I would say uh, we, we should uh, keep handball as a sport where all participants think it's, it's fun, because that's that's what it's all about, you know. So we need to create a different way of playing handball, which fits to the small kids, two mm-hmm. to five years, to normal kids, and then to the youngsters, then to top level players, and then uh, people my age. So everybody can have fun playing handball. So this is something that Morton spoke about a lot, this, this word which we struggle to define. Is it foreigning? Foreigning. Foreigning. I mean, what's your best definition for that? Well, for eening is basically a way of gathering, and it's very big in Denmark. We have a lot of for eeninger, basically associations, mm. you could call it. And it's a mentality about togetherness and building stuff together and sharing the cost, um, having a good team of people getting behind something they're passionate about. So for eeninger exists on all levels of society and in different shapes and forms in Denmark. A very, very important part of Danish culture. And I suppose it also comes from uh, the co-op mentality um, of buying into things together as a community and thereby owning it together and making it grow and prosper together. So that's the best way, I think, of uh, okay. explaining for eating. Yeah, because I, I mean, honestly, when I spoke with Morton for, I mean, well over an hour and the, the number of times he kept saying, oh, this word you don't have for eating, for eating. Um, and it really did seem to be a big thing for him. So when he started his career, um, well, a career, when he was a kid, he joined the local handball club and he was saying, you know, didn't have, you know, his parents didn't have that much money, but it was totally like all the kids in the neighborhood would come together, they'd join this club. And it was really this sort of togetherness. And he's saying that I think his real view on handball is that it needs to retain this grassroots, inclusive, everybody can play compared to, I don't know, other sports where let's say I don't know, golf, where the barrier to entry to learning how to play golf is quite high because it's cost a lot to join a golf club and the, the actual golf clubs are quite expensive. Similarly with cricket, you have to buy a lot of kit. With him, he's saying handball can be as simple as two people with a ball and so suddenly you're playing the sport 
And so it, it, it becomes a lot more inclusive. Yeah, it's, it's the whole Danish mentality of not having a hierarchy of all being at the same level and all being able to be included. Um, handball is a perfect example of that. And I suppose if we talk about for Ening, it's also related to what we have that is unions, workers' unions. We actually call that Fau for Ening. And uh, it's Fau what's Fau mean? Fau basically being uh, the industry that you're in. So basically it would be um, the union for builders, builders union, the Fau being descriptive of the industry that you're in. So industry unions, basically, or industry for eating. And again, that's about being a group of people organizing themselves to make sure that they have a good setup for themselves. Yeah. And also, and because I guess and it's also, obviously, you know, the simpler the sport, it, it also just means it's so much more accessible. Like the reason that football is one of the biggest sports on the world is you can literally have, like, I used to play with like a bit of trash and it's like, you know, kick it around at school if we didn't have a football. And we're still a group of guys or girls, you know, playing this, playing this game. And it's so simple compared to, yeah, ones where you've got it like kite surfing. Where it's, a bit more- it's it's true. It's it's a beauty of handball as well. It's a very, I would say, for innings uh, friendly sport where everybody can be in. Hmm. I'm curious. Are you a member of any for innings? I'm a member of a ton of them, particularly through my children, because really? it seems that a for innings brings up uh, the moment you have a new sports or a new activity that they get involved in. Um, sometimes for innings, I just mentioned that it could be uh, seen as a as an association, but sometimes you can also call it a kind of society. Mm-hmm. So for example, I have a bridge society, bridge not being the game bridge, but in terms of ba- uh, a bathing bridge at Jetty for the summer that we are some people who build together. Oh, okay. uh, and, and you know, you have a foreening around that because then you uh, chip in in terms of what's needed economically uh, for the bridge to be built. And uh, you have uh, communal things like dinners and uh activities like barbecue in the summer it's a way of getting together around something we all enjoy nice and so is there like one central person who's the chairperson who sort of says right we look at the budget or do, do they do there's they all a treasurer there's, there's a, treasurer. a chairperson there is yeah. all of those roles in order for it to work these things might exist in the uk i think that you have it all yeah. over the world it's just that you don't have that very strong word for it for yeah. eating you call it a society or you call it different things and um, for example a union you don't mm. say foul for eating like we do, but a union is a foul for eating. Yeah. And it's basically a union of people getting together to look after their rights and support each other. Yeah. Hmm. It certainly seems, reading up about Denmark before I moved here, this was something that a lot of the books talked about, this idea of these little associations and societies. I love yeah. the fact that you've been reading up on Denmark before coming. Oh my gosh. It was, I had, I had like a homework list, honestly. There's, honestly, there's so many books. There's one called The Year of Living Danishly. It's a very good one. There's one literally called How to Be Danish. That was, it was all right, but you know, it was, it was quite good. But I had a, I had a nice little book list of uh, things I need to do to prepare before, prepare for the Danes. We have an expert in the room. It's good because otherwise you could have been offended by a whole lot of things that you now just laughed at. <laughs> exactly, yes. Morten and I then got on to a long list of questions that I had about the sport, having never actually played it. Handball players, are they generally left-handed or right-handed? What, what are, what's the good characteristics for uh, like physical characteristics? What, what's the sort of 
lifetime of a handball player? Like, when, when are they in there? Why do you think it's not bigger in, let's say, if you're sort of in Denmark's top league, how much would, would you be in? How do you hold on to the ball? <laughs> you need really big hands. This actually went on for about half an hour. And so the summary is big hands help, but there's also a type of glue that players use for additional grip. There are smaller balls for kids. Most players have a dominant hand, but are able to throw equally well with either. Good physical characteristics are to be big, strong and quick. If he could import players from another sport, it would be basketball. The ability to to look in one direction and throw the ball in another direction, you know, to have this, uh, I call it split vision. Uh, this is uh, quite similar uh, in basketball players. The top handball player earns about 1 million kroner or 120,000 euros per year, and they normally peak in their late 20s. There are sometimes fights on the court, but everyone is friendly afterwards. And of course, the big question, why is it so big in Jutland? This is quite special because in, 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 in the 60s and into the 70s too, there was a big boom of building sports halls. Oh. Every tiny little city, really small cities, mm. uh, they want to have their own sports hall. That meant at that time we had more than 1,000 halls in, in, in Denmark. Mm. And that means every small city has uh, a handball team. Uh, and on the other hand, it's, it's, um, we have a lot of clubs in Sealand and in Funen too. But when it comes to top clubs, it's, it's difficult because uh, it's, it's primarily supported by sponsors coming from the city or nearby the city. In Copenhagen, you have, you know, you have so many possibilities. It could be other kind of culture, theater. We have the FC Copenhagen football, you know, so it's, uh, we don't have a team in Copenhagen that everybody in Copenhagen loves. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and, and that's, that's the main, it's difficult to, to create the, the big sponsorships and things like that for handball. So from what I can gather, the reason it's so popular in Jutland is, yeah, there was this boom of all these halls being built on the sort of supply side. So suddenly every little town, they've got this sport which can be played. But then also on the demand side, when you go to some smaller um, towns in Jutland, the local bank or the local big business, if they want to sponsor a sport, it's obviously handball. Whereas when you come to Copenhagen, if you're that big bank, you're like, oh, I could do handball, but actually I'll get more exposure if I you know, sponsor the local football club or the theatre club. There's more competition for more competition. the money, basically. Yeah, and so this combination of um, supply, so lots of these small halls pop up and so it becomes an easy thing for people to do, and also demand um, seems to be the combination of why it's in Jutland. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So the story of handball's origin is that whilst a version of the game has been played back in ancient Greece... The team handball game today was codified at the end of the 19th century in Northern Europe. The first written set of team handball rules was published in 1906 by the Danish gym teacher, lieutenant and Olympic medalist Holger Nilsson from Ortrup Grammar School, north of Copenhagen. The modern set of rules was published on 29th of October 1917 by Max Heiser, Karl Schelens and Erich König from Berlin, Germany. This day is therefore seen as the date of birth of the sport. Isn't this interesting? So Denmark starts it, but Germany takes the credit. I love that. I mean, the Germans uh, are a big nation, so I figure mm-hmm. that uh, that's easy for them to do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But it's quite cool that of all this this, this sport, which it is a popular sport internationally, that, that Denmark can, can lay claim for having the first written rules for it. 
it's super cool, actually, and amazing to know that uh, something from ancient Greece made it all the way up here. And then suddenly we managed to write a code yeah. for the actual game rules. The Danes, they love planning. They've got to write it down. You know, <laughs> got to write, write it down, Thank make you. the rules, send it around. The countdown is on. The final match of the competition. Match number 95. It's the one that counts. So Denmark in the white shirts and red shorts throw up the final of the 2019 Men's Handball World Championships. So do you know which country has won the most men's international handball titles? It's actually France, but Denmark are the reigning champions. The women's team won in 1997 with Anja Arnesen being one of the star players, but haven't reached the final since. So do you remember when Denmark won the world championship in 2019? I do. It was really big. So we, you were in Denmark at the time. I was, I, yes. And what was the what was the scene? Were people chatting about it? Were they on the streets? Were they like what what sort of level of of uh, national celebration were we at? I would say exhilaration and excitement. And what was really interesting as well is that actually it was talked about across the world, and people were curious in different parts. Uh, of the world about what is this game. Okay, so it's mainly yeah, what is handball as opposed to World in Denmark. Yes, I think that we managed to create so much noise that actually it uh, resonated across the world and it meant that there was some curiosity about this game. Mm. And I think what, what's great is because Denmark was hosting it and they won, like from a football perspective in 1966, ev- a year that everybody in England will know is England was hosting the Football World Cup and they won against Germany, which is even better. But this idea of hosting the hosting the tournament and winning it, I think it's just like a, a winning combination. Yeah, and I think maybe to an extent also being at home, playing at home, hosting it, um, it allows you to feel the energy and the mm. support from people in a different way. And it means that maybe that helps they're, you they're get about, to the victory. Yeah, they talk about the home advantage. And um, actually, Morten, um, so he was, he was sort of on duty whilst this was happening. And the Norwegian prime minister came down and I'm pretty sure uh, Crown Prince Felic was there as well with his kids. Our Crown and, Prince, yeah. yes. And Morton was like on duty, like hosting everyone and sort of making sure that everyone was happy. Um, and Henke said that, you know, when when the final whistle blew, there was just like a huge out, outpouring of just exhilaration from, from the whole stadium. And like once you got in and you're on the court, you could just, it was like electric. Everyone was watching. Yeah. Everyone was into it. Yeah. And people were really excited and proud afterwards. Three, two, one. Now this is Dansk Sports History. Denmark is for the first time And I always find it strange. A lot of the football teams are also handball teams. So Paris Saint-Germain, uh, I know them as a football team. Turns out they also play handball. And they've got the Danish superstar Mikkel Hansen who plays for them. Do you know much about this guy, Michael Hansen? He seems to be like the David Beckham of yeah, Danish handball. He, he's uh, very revered in Denmark. Um, he's like the best handball player that we've ever had, I think. Yeah, and I mean, there was, um, I mean, when I was talking to Morton about it, Morton's got a, a picture of Michael on his on his wall um, of, I think, or it's maybe of when Michael met with the Crown Prince again. Anyway, he was telling me about this one time where he really got on the world stage where it was sort of extra time, in the Olympics, Denmark's playing, I don't know, Russia. And, you know, the scores are tied. If Denmark can win the game, they get through, they progress through to the next round. The final whistle has been blown. They've got this this throw and it's impossible. 
I'm so handsome. Nicole Hansen does this like wonder throw, goes right in the top corner, and the crowd goes wild. And I was looking at it, and there are like YouTube videos analyzing this throw, and they're like, if we look at the physics and the, the curvature of the ball, and this and this and this. Let's take a closer look at the shot. There's not only 9, but 11.1 meters from Hansen to the far post. And with the ball traveling for 0.3 seconds, he throws with a speed of 133.2 kilometers per hour. Basically saying that there was like putting a, a thread through a needle to get this thing, but he did it and became... Yeah, for good reasons, incredible. Hero. So obviously there's this intrinsic element of it being a fun sport to play. Basically, I was interested, are there some like structural forces going on, a bit like what we had in, in Jutland, um, about why it's popular in certain parts of the world, but not others. So after doing some digging, there are a few points that, that popped out. Um, the first is the weather. So having a sport that you can play indoors throughout the year is, is quite a useful feature of handball. Also, the size of the courts. So again, linked to all these sports halls being built in Denmark in the 1960s and 70s. They were all made to have handball markings. Whereas if you go to one in the UK, all the markings are for basketball or football. And so actually, it sounds really minor, but the people don't do it. And then also there aren't the coaches who can actually do it. So, anyway, so I asked Morton, at least in the UK, what's, what's going on? Because of the Commonwealth, uh, you have all your Commonwealth sports, netball, rugby is big. I know yeah. it's big in France too, but 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 yeah. you know you have your own sports, and that's why you have never seen handball. This mm. this belongs to to the rest of Europe, yeah. yeah, and also the eastern part of Europe. Uh, even before the the the, the wall were brought down, mm. uh, it was quite big in in East Germany, mm. uh, former Yugoslavia, uh, Romania, because it was an indoor sport and easy for them to 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 work with those. You know, so when I was a national player, I traveled a lot in the former eastern part of Europe on the other side of the wall, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and and in these uh, countries, uh, because it was a part of the uh, political uh, way of, of, of trying to, to show their superiority. So many of the players at that time were kind of professional, even that we are in the western part of Europe uh, were not really professionals. Mm. That's really interesting. That must have been so much... Uh fun to go and do that interview and figure out actually what is the history behind the yeah. handball. I, I quite like this idea of handball being part of the sort of the Cold War or, you know, you had the space race of East versus West, who can get to the moon. Then you've also got this subplot, which is who can, who can win at handball. Is it the Western capitalist system or the Eastern communist system? Yeah. And actually handball from a communist perspective actually makes a lot of sense because everyone has equal opportunity to excel in it because you don't have to pay for expensive clubs or what else it might be that comes with many sports. Mm, so it's really sort of a sport of the people. Correct. Yeah. Before leaving, I asked Morton, why should people be interested in handball and what they can do to get involved? It's, it's, it's a team sport. You can go there with good friends, mm. uh, depending on what kind of handball uh, you would like to play, if it's five-a-side or you can bring your kids. It, it depends on where you are in your life. Do you have kids? Are you alone? Do you want to do something with your girlfriend or your wife or whatever, you know? Then we uh, are working on having an, a good offer for you mm. to have uh, fun playing, playing handball or handball. 
Come and try the uh, five-a-side handball. Everybody can join. Um, it goes actually quite quick because there is no uh, after goal. You don't have to wait in the middle line, um, and it's fun because you don't. There's no contact sport, so it's applicable for everyone. And yeah, you can even try some tricks that you normally are not capable of doing in normal handball. So yeah, you can try a lot of different things actually. You, you can uh, use our webpage to try to find clubs and teams uh, nearby where, where you live. Mm-hmm. The, you can also try the handball fitness if you want to. You also have a kind of hand and ball game mm-hmm. and, and you are sure to, to come in good shape. He mentioned, when, just quickly, when he mentioned handball fitness, you know you sometimes have like boxer size and you're sort of doing a workout but you're like pretending to box. It's basically the same thing. That's amazing. So you can basically do a sort of fitness version of handball where you're not with a big team, but you do some of the movements linked to handball. Exactly. Yeah. I love that idea. It's more fun than many of the other aerobic activities you'd otherwise be doing in a gym. And also you don't get hit in the face. I prefer just hitting others in the face. I don't want to be hit myself, you know. (laughs) All right. So what have we learned from this episode? Denmark is somewhat the home of handball. However, the men's team only won for the first time in 2019. The view from the top of the country's handball association is that the sport should be for everyone. The best way to do this is to focus on hand and ball rather than handball. And whilst a game can be as simple as throwing a sock, if you do want to get involved, visiting one of your local Danish sports centres can be your first port of call. As always, if you have any feedback on this episode, for example, your own theory on why handball is popular in Denmark, but not elsewhere, then please do head over to our Facebook page by searching for What the Denmark. That's it for today. Thanks again to Hotel Mayfair for hosting us and all of the What the Denmark team who worked on putting this show together. Vi ses, vi ses, nej, vi snakkes næste gang. Vi snakkes næste gang. Vi snakkes næste gang, ja. Vi snakkes næste gang. Thanks to everyone who has helped in the creation of the episode, including David Doliak, Guki Gunashivali, Reke Campbell, Andreas Poulsen, Kevin Mose, and Tevin Sudi. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're still early in our journey of resolving cultural confusion in Denmark and would love for you to join us by subscribing to the show on your podcast app. If you like this episode, please consider telling a friend about it. And you can also head over to www.whatthedenmark.com to receive our newsletter. Thanks for listening. I'm Josephina Volkvarts. And I'm Sam Floyd. Andreas, have you got any thoughts on this? I was thinking it's kind of fun that all the cheaper sports to play are very descriptive about what you need, right? It's like handball, football, table tennis. Yeah, table tennis, you need a table and some yeah. tennis yeah, equipment. Yeah. yeah. But then like cricket, what do you need for cricket? Right? Oh my gosh, we need to do, I mean, where, where do we begin? <laughs>